Welcome to the Two Are Gathered Catholic Podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Uh, Father Rob is not with us this week. He is on his own personal silent retreat for eight days. I think he's also like in the wilderness and without any shelter whatsoever. Isn't that how the Jesuits do it? I think, I think that's true. <laughs> so we are joined... We are joined by uh, Transitional Deacon Stephen Weller today. Deacon Steve, how are you? I'm doing well, Jim. So you are like, um, welcome to the uh, podcast. I know that you must be an avid listener living uh, under uh, Father Rob. You must know all of our episodes by heart. Well, he lives right down the hall and. The most the most interaction I get usually is helping Father Rob set up his mic. So. So, and that's that's exactly how Deacon Steve was introduced to the program. He would come down and help Father Rob with technical issues like finding the power button or where do you plug in into the wall? What's the thing that you plug into? But st- just stuff like that and other technical issues that Father Rob would have on occasion. But, and st- you know, Father well, Rob makes it fun every single time. So well, he, he makes the podcast fun every time, too. <laughs> and I can tease him, and he gives it right back, which is, just makes it a wonderful experience for me. So, but that's how that's how I was introduced to Deacon Steve. I was introduced to Deacon Steve when he was just playing Steve. Um, how's it? Uh, you just got uh, you were just made a transitional deacon. Uh, how long ago? Um, on May first, the feast of Saint Joseph in the cathedral oh, nice. of Saint Joseph. Actually, that's awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and you are you just uh, spent your first weekend at your first parish. Yeah, so a lot of guys, after their ordination, they they preach, um, like on that Sunday, at mm-hmm. their home parish or some parish of association that they have, and then uh, and then I guess you go back you go back to school for a couple of weeks and then <laughs> and then you're in summer break, so that's normally how it works. It was pretty crazy. I I was ordained and then the next day, you know, preaching and. You know, yay! Congratulations! And then the next day, I was like, <laughs> "Was there a, cake?" I don't think we had cake. No, we didn't have cake. That's wrong. But then, that's, but then that's the next day, mistake. I had a canon law exam, and then I also had, I was deaconing for. I still had a new deacon smell, and I was deaconing for the archbishop. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing. I just looked at the MC the whole time. So, but now I think so, I start starting to get the hang of it. Doing the normal everyday sort of stuff. So, what was your first homily about? Um, my first homily was about uh, the crucifix in my church, my home parish. Mm-hmm. It, it, Jim, it has the weirdest. It once you look at it closely, it, it kind of weirds you out because his ribs don't look like ribs because they go all hmm. the way down. You know, normally your ribs like kind of double back. You know, mm-hmm. but his like went all the way down and they're real bulbous. Hmm. And so, to me, that looked like a door because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is a door. Sure. And so I, I talked about how throughout my past eight years of seminary, I really, it, it's really a one way of looking at it is how I looked at that crucifix and hmm. how I looked at Jesus differently over those years. 
I started to see him more as a door and not as this strange man with strange ribs on the wall. So Wow. Yeah. Was it well, well received, you think? I think so, yeah. The, the, the thing that, honestly, the thing that's, that was most moving, I think, for people was to see all those seminarians there. I mean, there were literally people in tears at hope mm. in our church. Yeah. Because there were so many young men who are saying, yes, yes, I will pursue what the Lord wants of me. And how old are you? Uh, let's see, 26. 26? Yep. So not a, you know, not a super young guy. People go into seminary uh, sometimes. Don't they go in just like like at 22 or 23? Did you go in at 22 or 23? Is it that long of a program? Um, I entered right after high school. So Really? Yeah. I'm in my... I Yeah. So usually seminary, it's broken up into eight years total, mm-hmm. four and four. Okay. And then sometimes there's like a pastoral year or a regent year. That's an extra year added uh, in there. So I'm on my fourth year. Last year, this last year, I completed my third year of theology studies. Hmm. And the year before that, I, I finished uh, a regent year. So in other words, I completed four years of philosophy and then two years of theology and then a year of regency. So that's I was in the world, but not of the world, if that makes sense. Sure. And then another year of theology. And then the deacon year is the last year of theology. So, All right. Yeah. And then um, is it is it is it crazier theology in your deacon year? Is it the stuff that's hard to wrap your head around? Um, I don't know. I guess you're probably smarter now. I got my undergrad in theo, mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't a very good theology student. I'll be honest with you. Why? Wouldn't, why is that? I just I didn't study very well. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get you get to study. You kind of have to study the that. joke. The joke about seminarians, though, is that not do, not read. You know, <laughs> so, there's a lot of things that go unread. I think, but honestly, I think it's kind of a miracle for God's existence that I'm even in seminary because, like, I didn't know anything. I mean, I di- honestly, I didn't even know about the real presence of the Eucharist. I didn't even know that Jesus was God. I mean, these are like basic things. <laughs> But I was still accepted to seminary. You know? When were you clued in on uh, Jesus' God part? I, was that like a couple weeks in? or I mean, that was like, yeah, that was a, a, a few weeks in. Um, I mean, just like, I remember this conversation. It was probably like a month in with, and I was downstairs. I remember, I remember specifically where I was. I was past like that first pillar going to the lunch line. And we're, all the seminarians were there, and I, I said something about, oh, yeah, in the, in the wine at, at, at church. And I was interrupted, and, and the other seminarian said, oh, you mean the blood of Christ? And I said, yeah, that's right, <laughs> the blood of Christ. And it just, like, everything clicked for me in that one wow. moment. Um, that's good. And uh yeah, so I was I mean, I wasn't I wasn't like the best student uh growing up, but you know, I guess we learn in the Lord's time too. So yeah, I I actually became a much better student in grad school than I was in undergrad, but undergrad I spent most of my time trying to um 
I'd pull my head out from under a rock and, and you know, sort things out. <laughs> but uh, so what was, but this isn't about me, Deacon Steve. We're talking about you today. Um, what, uh, what was the draw to seminary then? Yeah. Uh, so like I said, I wasn't like too into like the mystical theology or anything or really even knew how to articulate much. Um, but I'd say it really started when I was in the eighth grade and my dad, he got a CD from a friend of his. And if there's any young listeners, a CD is like, it's like a circle <laughs> that's shiny on one side. <laughs> you may have to explain it to some of our older listeners too, yeah. or it's still an eight track. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an incredible technology that we won't see much of anymore. Uh, Anyway, you put it in a machine, and it makes sounds. And my dad got one of these from, from one of his friends, and it was about uh, being American. And that was, this was fascinating to me. I never really, you know, I wasn't into the faith. I wasn't really into history or any of that, uh, really anything. And it, it really caught me because American is a special word. It's the only adjective for a nationality that you can put un in front of it, and it still makes sense. Like, for example, you can't be un-Chinese, right? You can be Chinese or, or Irish, but you can't be un-Irish. Hmm. But you can be un-American, right? Yeah. It's like a special I, kind of I word. So, so there's got to be something special about being American such that you could be un-American. So that's what this CD was about. And it, it forever changed the way I thought about the world. Because one of the qualities that makes an American an American is the belief in providence with a capital P. And this is the first I ever heard of it. Providence with a capital P means not only do you believe that God exists, but you believe since he exists, therefore, everything that he has created somehow fits into a divine plan, including everyone, every person. Every person is created with a specific purpose a specific place in this world. And so it was at that moment I realized that if I ever wanted to be happy in this world, I had to ask the guy who made me to be happy. And so that's when I made my first prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And that's the prayer that I prayed for for years. I mean, I... Obviously, my, my spirituality is, you know, expanded, but I mean, that's really where it started. And in church, you know, I kneeling, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really listen to, at, at my catechesis lessons. I didn't, I wasn't a very good student. I really struggled in school, um, especially early on. And, but I knew that if God exists, then I had to ask him. I was here to ask him that question and to, and to listen to the answer. And then, uh, so in about 10th grade, uh, I remember praying that prayer before Mass like I normally did. And the priest walked by in front of me while I was praying that. And I thought, wow, look at that guy. I wonder what, what he does. I wonder what that would be like. And honest to all goodness, like 20 minutes later at the homily, 
he, he comes up in front of me in the homily, in the middle of the homily, he walks up in front of me. He says, have you ever considered being a priest? You know, he's in front of everyone. Have you ever considered being a priest? I was like, me, like, I thought, I kind of thought about it like 20 minutes ago, you know, right before mass, but no, no, I haven't. And, uh, that was my first introduction to seminary. I thought maybe just maybe that's, maybe that's uh, God's way of saying, Hey, come try me on. Hmm. And, uh, I visited the seminary for the first time after that, very, very shortly after that. And, I remember seeing the seminarians and thinking, those guys, every day of their lives, they ask, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? If there's, if there's anywhere in this world where I'm going to learn how to answer that question, it's, it's probably going to be there. Because that's what those guys do. That's what they, literally, they have people in charge of them to help them answer that question. Mm-hmm. And so... That's, that's what I was drawn to. I was like, I need, I need to go there. I need to go there to ask that question and to listen. And a lot of people don't under, I mean, a lot of people sometimes think, oh, if you go to seminary, you're going to be a priest. Well, yeah, but not necessarily, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys who leave, right? I mean, you go there first and foremost to do God's will. That's what we do right. everything for. So if God calls you to the seminary and he just... He needs, I mean, he's going to use everything he's got. So there's a lot of guys who've left and so forth. But so like my real desire for priesthood didn't really come until I'd say my, my third year of seminary where I really felt like, wow, maybe, maybe God wants me to be a priest. Maybe he wants me to lay down my life for him uh, in this beautiful and celibate and radical way. And I felt a real strong, a really strong attraction in my third year towards that sort of love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and here I am. Now I'm a transitional deacon. So, okay, so then this brings us to the big question, which is, what are you thinking, Steve? I mean, my goodness. I'm sorry, Deacon Steve. I didn't mean to be disrespectful. Um, but what are you thinking, with all the horrible things that are being said about priests and how people are teaching people to be afraid of priests and uh, with the, the, the scandal that's, that's been about, yeah. um, what, what in the world were you thinking? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> G- Jesus, if, if Jesus can make a couple of fishermen and tax collectors, like the prince's inheriting you know, the, his legacy, if they could get us this far, I mean, you know, he could do anything. Um, if he could did rise any, from the dead, didn't that, I mean, uh, didn't that scare you? It did. Yes. I mean, um, but, but I'm serious too. I mean, the, like Jesus is a, is a, someone, maybe I'll put it this way. Someone the other day, and I was really surprised by this. They said, Stephen, why are you so happy? I said, because Christianity is my second childhood. I mean, I'm just hmm. I'm giving up my life from from my heavenly Father in this beautiful way. And everywhere I look, God is just He's trying to show me something else about Himself and about me. Um, he's just He's just showing me. You know, I He's just showing me His own love, and that's amazing. And I, 
I don't know, there's something mystical about that. There's something uh, beautiful about that. And, and there's just like this pastoral sense too, where you just know, you know, Lord, this, this has got to, this has to be your purpose. This has to be your, your will, because there's no other way that I can see so many beautiful things in your life through ministry, through uh, the sacraments, through prayer. This whole way of life is, it just, it just screams your love um, in, in a beautiful and song sort of way. I'm not a poet, so there's my best, best way of trying to <laughs> capture that transcendent, that, you know, that beautiful tug uh, towards why, why on earth would I do this thing that the, that the whole world thinks is crazy? Right. Very simply because the Lord made it beautiful. So that's the best I can do. Good for you, man. I think that's awesome. Um, and, and I'm a, a huge uh, fan of um, the seminarians who are coming out and who are so um, passionate, so fervent uh, for, you know, and, and, and a lot more orthodox than the ones that were coming out when I was, you know, when I was in college. Um, and it's really nice. It's nice to see. It's, it's, uh, it warms my heart. But, it, but also, I mean, those guys, I owe my vocation to, too, you know. And, right, I, I think a lot, you could probably appreciate this, like, just seeing guys, when, when there's something worth fighting for, people run towards their battle stations, hmm. right, at wartime. Like World War II, you know, the American cause was a lot of young men trying to defend something they saw beautiful. And I think it's the same with the Catholic Church, now today, like seminaries are, are filling up, you know, there's still certainly a lack, but young men see something being attacked by our hostile world and they see mm -hmm. something worth defending. And so they run to that battle station and uh, with, with that fervor. So there was a, a book floating around your seminary and, and uh, a Father Rob and I both read it, and we talked about it on the podcast, which I'm sure you listened to. Um, but it was um, Christendom um, versus uh, the Apostolic uh, Vision. Did are you familiar with that book? Did that book hit your nightstand? Um, I think that falls in the category of one of those books that weren't due. So, <laughs> so what may read have it? may yeah may have <laughs> remained unread. <laughs> I have seen it. I have seen it, Jim. I know it exists. Um, but can so you can you give me a refresher about maybe nope. I read Spark Notes? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so the 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 premise of the book and what we talked about, and 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 now I'm 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 realizing that you just don't have time to listen to our podcast. So that just you know I get that you're forgiven. Um, you might want to bring that to confession if you're confessing to Father Rob. Maybe I'll, I'll bless, bring it up bless to me Father Rob. Send. I haven't listened to your podcast ever. Um, the 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 book is um, the premise of the book is that. For a lot of years, um, our society was in a state of Christendom, which was that while not everybody lived Christian values, Christian values were um, evident and was all, it was like the basis of our society. Not everybody was Christian, mm -hmm. but the Christian values that were out there um, were lived by people, and it was, it was the general 
the foundation for society. Sure. Like it was intuitive. It was, yeah, it was intuitive. It was, it was like, you know, this is, this is how you treat people. And this is, this is how people need to treat me. And, um, this is the basic structure of the laws of the land. And the book's premise is that we have moved out of that and into a, a, a time of apostolic vision, which is the norm isn't um, Christian ethics and Christian morals. The norm is the opposite of that, and that the people who are fighting for Christianity mm-hmm. really have to go out. You didn't have to fight for it before because it was all around. But the people who are now Christian and believe in God and believe in the faith really have to fight um, to make that known and try to reclaim this, the, the Christendom. What, and what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I think that's absolutely true. I, so I, student, I, I would student teach sometimes at various different parishes. And I won't ever forget this one situation where it, just, it was total disparity of, between believers and non-believers, of confirmed Catholics, mind you. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a Catholic institution. And the teacher asked, you know, can you please raise your hand if you believe in the Eucharist at Mass, if it really changes into something supernatural? It's not just mm-hmm. bread. And two, it was two kids versus 18. The 18 raised their hand against uh, the Eucharist. And not only that, they argued against, um, against the Eucharist. You know, it, it was like, how? You know, I, <laughs> I mean, I was one of those, too. Like, I, I was brought up in the faith. But everything Catholic, everything Christian was still alien. You know, granted, my, my parents did a good job of, like, instilling a lot of the virtues and, and so forth in me. Um, but I just wasn't a good listener, a good learner. Um, so there is a lot that was still alien. And I think there's a lot that's alien to our world. Hmm. And in many ways, we are in the first century of Christianity still. Because, like you said, a lot of it has been lost. It's, we're at... Like, catech- catechesis is no, it, it's like you have to go through basic principles of reality, like that there's actually truth. Like, mm-hmm. that's never happened before in the history for 2,000 years, that there's truth. I mean, how is that, how is that possible? So, yeah, I, it's in total agreement with your diagnosis. I think that's definitely what? true. Yeah, one of, one of my frustrations, and I've, I've shared this several times on this podcast, um, when I was uh, working as a youth minister and, and working in churches, um, I think the big disservice that we've done as a church is give the impression to young people that once you get confirmed, you know everything you need to know about the church. Yeah. You've just become an expert in Catholicism and you can move on. Yeah, it's really... And also, like... I don't know, maybe we've, maybe in our first world, we've just, oh, it's too much to ask. It's too much to ask to, for more money in the, in the basket. It's too much to ask to, you know, go to church every Sunday. But it's like, you know, 300 years, like, was it too much to ask the apostles to, to, you know, go tell others about Jesus? Was it too Mm -hmm. much? I mean, for Pete's sake, some people walk for miles in piranha-infested waters to go to Mass. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, So, I mean, there's an element of that, too, where it's maybe a, a spirit of apathy, too. So, I think all those are tied up. 
So what's your what's your hope and aspiration? Where where are you hoping that uh, um, the the bishop will guide you to? Um, yeah. So a couple comments on that. Maybe just first. Or is it none uh, of my business? You can just say, fellas, it's none of your business. I'll no, because it is. I mean, in a, in a sense, uh, I'm like owned by the church now, right? <laughs> she has a claim on me. You know, you have a right, as you know, you're baptized. And so you have, technically, according to canon law, you have some rights to the spiritual goods of the church. I don't know what mm-hmm. canon that is. That could be in the comment section, maybe. You just had a canon law test. <laughs> yeah, I did. You don't know this. But, um, <laughs> you know, so, of course, you have... I think that you, it is appropriate that you ask that question. Um, I'll, I will say, though, that every single assignment that I've had, the best ones, the best ones out of all of those, have definitely been the ones that I was least enthusiastic about, hmm. the ones that I was most worried about. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's because the Lord was able to show in my heart, because it was so receptive and so... Um, so much more reliant on his grace that I was able to see him more and therefore mm. not rely on my own powers and get in the way. So, for example, working at the hospital, I would never see myself, you know, in a, it's like walking into a room of a dying man. Oh, my goodness. You know, look out, world. I, I have no idea what I'm I, two left feet here. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I did, I, and it was it was beautiful, and it was wonderful, and honestly, that was like my best summer. I was working in a hospital. So for my aspirations to answer your question, I just, I mean, whatever the Lord, honestly, I mean, like I said, that's my, I know that's not like a super clear answer, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want to have a clear idea because anytime I do that, then it's, it's my own power, and that's not... I have the tendency to get in the way. That's fair enough. That's that's a that's a very fair response, Deacon. But but I'm going to rephrase the question a little bit. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And let's see if this this uh, brings about an answer. Out of um, everything about your faith mm-hmm. that you have, and now you're going to be now you're in a position to teach and and be a, a stronger witness, and you're going to be in even in bit bigger position to do this. What's one aspect of our faith that if you could get this across to as many people as possible, this would be the one aspect of the faith that you'd want to do? Hmm. Does that make sense as a question? Yeah. Um, Well, definitely like the catechetical sort of environment. And we talked about that briefly too, right? There's like a lacuna, a sort of lacking of that. I I would say specifically though, Teaching others that God loves them. If I had to hmm. point to the hardest, if I had to point to the most difficult teaching in the entire Catholic Church, that would be it. Hmm. That would be it. That's the one that people cannot make sense of. That's the one that I struggled with so much. I think it's just what the human condition struggles with, but especially in our world that just disregards human life. And the way that we construe love is just, you know, in a very specific and inappropriate way, I think. Um, you know, we a lot of people don't know that the Catholic Church's rules and stuff like, for example, about sexuality, they're meant to help guide us that we can love in ways that are fruitful, mm-hmm. not just in that specific marital way. Um, and it's the same with, you know, a- 
any, any aspect of life in our culture. It, and that's so hard to see. Like, if you don't have a father, and we have a, we have a very, we very much have a crisis of fatherhood in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's some numbers show as little as, you know, only, you know, like one in, like one in four people, one in four kids don't have a father in the house. It's like, wow. I mean, that's like, that's a pandemic right there. And if you don't have a father, how can you learn about your real father, your heavenly father, right. the, your most fatherly father? And um, so all that is to go to say, showing people that God loves them, showing the love of Jesus Christ is doing just that, the love of God and convincing people of that. I mean, that's my job. That's like my main job, I would say. The love of God transformed people throughout the ages. I mean, it made, it made people go across the entire world to tell others about that love. It, it made, it, it's the kind of love that invented the hospitals, the, the universities, the, the things that made Europe, Europe, the things that made our world, the world, our sciences, most of our sciences. These are like Catholic priests, Catholics, who had this childlike wonder about the world. And it's all because they knew about the love of God. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is powerful. So, and, and it should be. It should be our foundation. Well, this is exciting, Deacon Steve. I, I like your attitude. This is. I hope uh, the rest of the seminarians have similar attitudes. Um, you, so you've been uh, deacon since May first. Mm-hmm. Um, you've you've preached. Mm-hmm. You've done. You've done one homily, more than one homily. Um, I don't know a few, maybe <laughs> several. <laughs> um, and and then I remember we did a podcast on the day that uh, that you guys were um, were ordained deacons, and and I was like, so what are they going to do now, Father Rob? He goes, well, now they can bury people, and I just got mm-hmm. this image of all the seminarians going out and, and, and digging graves. <laughs> I think you and mentioned that to me, and I, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's I don't know if that's, that's how it works. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's the way you wanted to put it, right? I mean, and I will knows? repeat it, jokes, Deacon Steve. If, I am. This is my program. I will be happy to repeat jokes as often as I need. But to. you know, Jim, if the bishop tells me to do that, I will do that. Well, good for you. <laughs> have you been blessing things? Do, I have been blessing like, things. Yeah. If I became a deacon, like I'd walk out the door and I'd just start blessing everything in front of me. Yeah. What I, was the first thing you blessed? I was tempted to do that. I blessed a rosary of the guy who lived next door. Okay. So, but the the thing is about like just blessing. I mean, I could, but at the same time, I mean, there's like rituals for these, and they usually include holy water for sure. So, I mean. I can make holy water, but I don't like carry it on my person well, all the time. Well, that's pretty cool, so, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. A couple months ago, you weren't able to make holy water. I couldn't. You could just make water. The, <laughs> or, or, yeah, I old guess water. Yeah, <laughs> pagan water, I guess. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, so that's cool. It is. Yeah, I think a lot of people misunderstand um, the importance of of who blesses your objects. Mm-hmm. And and uh, 
I don't know. I think our listeners are pretty, uh, uh, pretty well grounded in Catholicism, but I do know a lot of people that'll be like, uh, you know, that, 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 yeah, I got this blessed, and who was it blessed by? Oh, this, uh, you know, Jim, this other guy, and and and, and it's like, no, that's uh, that's nice, that's pleasant, but uh, not really uh, official, um, not uh, sacramental at that point. You got to have a priest or a deacon mm-hmm. to make that happen. Yeah. So, but there is some things I can't <laughs> that was bless. A strong agreement. There, there are something. Yep. That's. There are some things I can't bless. Um, like what? I don't know. I just. Whenever I open up the ritual book, I mean, there's like some prayers that only a priest can do. Hmm. In the book of blessings. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I don't have an extensive list of that offhand, but <laughs> if I. If I think of any, I'll be sure to tell you. Will you? Yeah. You can come back on the program and you can I'll come back. It can be another comment. Maybe I'll comment. Maybe I'll comment on our podcast. It's like, <laughs> I can't bless cars. I can't bless vacuum cleaners. Is that, are these are the things I mean, you're talking about? Sometimes it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I I think some, some of them are like more priestly in nature, like in the nature of the blessing. Okay. So, I don't know what a good example of that is, but can you bless pets? Yeah, I can bless pets. All right. And, yeah, I don't know if you're missing out on the, you know, I mean, there's probably other things we can't think of them right now, but, but yeah. So uh, one last uh, one weird question for you. Um, the the um, there's a Catholic. I don't know if you want to consider it folklore or. Um, uh, Catholic urban myth, um, something along those lines, where it's a, a mystic or somebody, a visionary at one point said that uh, um, uh, as soon as you're ordained a priest, Satan assigns a demon for you specifically. Have you heard this? I've never heard this. I've heard that priests will get their own. Um, extra angel. Uh, well, that's the positive side of things. But it's <laughs> a I downside. Mean, de- I mean, demons are also angels, right? They're fallen angels. So right, they're not the good ones. I'm assuming that that folklore about an extra angel isn't talking about the demon. Um, no, I but, think there's an you get an extra angel like to be on your side. But yeah. the, the the other side of the coin is. Is that Satan who uh, names you personally and says, you, uh, demon, that's your guy. That's yeah. who you're going to torment. I think, I don't know. I, you, I, do you I, buy it? I think I would I would buy it. I'm not, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, big T tradition sort of doctrine. No, I don't think it's but, big T tradition. But I think, I think it makes true. I think it makes a lot of sense because, yeah. I mean, Satan, he, he hates, he hates sacramentals. He hates... The fact that Jesus Christ wants to continue his presence here on earth through the sacraments and all the blessings, the liturgies, the prayers. And so he's going to do all in his power to the guys who are most uh, powerfully associated with that, namely priests. So I guess that would make sense. Yeah. And also, it's almost like I wouldn't be surprised if there's like, you know, extra demons assigned to like seminarians because... He hates he hates us discerning. He hates that, mm-hmm. and he he tries so hard to throw us off 
off our balance, off our guard, so that we can't listen. And so he tries to What's your biggest us. protection against that? Um, I would say the daily commitment to prayer. So the holy hour definitely is the biggest protection against that. Time for silence. And uh, I describe it a lot, actually, to the kids I teach. Like, you know, when you're driving, these are for high school kids. Because, you know. Grade school kids shouldn't be driving. Yeah, they shouldn't be driving. But when you're driving and then there's like big rainstorm, you know, the radio is on and everything. And then all of a sudden the rainstorm comes and you shut off the, the music and all the people in the car, you say, shut up. You know, I'm, I'm trying to drive. You know, because in, in the silence, uh, you become focused and who you are about starts to make sense. And Satan hates it when we're in silence, you know, because he's, he's the rainstorm. And if he can just keep us distracted, he can keep us, uh, you know, from what's important, namely staying on the road, staying on this mm-hmm. narrow path. And uh, so silence is probably the biggest defense against that hmm. because if, when we're distracted, we can't focus on on our true destiny, on, on Christ, and all the things that make us holy that actually get us to our heavenly destination. So I would even argue that, you know, they really want, the, the demons really want to get at seminarians because they're discerning. Yeah. Wow. So um, how much time do you have until, uh, until the ordination? Uh, ordination, ordination to the priesthood. Yes. Uh, yeah, that happens next year in June. So. Well, that's exciting, man. That would be. I do have it written down. It's on my phone. I can't remember explicitly what. I w- I just learned what the weekend was like. Yeah, I don't have it. Are you Are you looking at uh, chalices and patents like the free? Because everyone. It, you you, you June, guys like to have your own, right? June June twenty fifth. That's what it is. All right. Um, in twenty twenty two. So, yeah. Uh, normally, a lot of guys just get chalices from priests who have died. So, for example, a lot of dioceses will have a collection of chalices from different parishes. Interesting. So. Like ours, I think are at there ours. Like I study for lacrosse, and so we keep those kind of chalices at lacrosse in a special place. Okay. And then when the time comes, like a month before or a few months before ordination, we're kind of we're invited, and then we can choose a chalice. Hmm. And that's you know, there's people who die uh, every year, and then they give up their things to the church. They gave up their whole life, and then they give up the rest of their possessions to the church. That's interesting. It, I was under the impression that, like, families would, would buy their, their son. You know, a lot their, of times their it first does. Chalice. I mean, that does happen. You're right, Jim. Sometimes it that does happen, too. Um, but a lot of guys, you know, either they'll get a chalice, and that, that's a gracious gift that a lot of, a lot of deacons do receive, um, but a lot of them, a, a large portion of them, also get a chalice from a previous priest, hmm. from a deceased priest. Well, all right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I got any more questions for you, Deacon. Do you have? Uh, do you have any? Uh, is there anything I missed? Anything you were hoping to get across? Um, 
don't know. I really enjoyed this. Good. Yeah, this was very good, Jim. I, I think I think our listeners are going to enjoy it too. And it's an absolute blessing to have you on, Deacon Steve. I really do appreciate it. I appreciated you before you were a deacon and you were helping us out. Um, I, I, I think this is wonderful, and, and Father Rob just uh, keeps on saying wonderful things about you. So um, I'm excited for, for your future and for your current ministry and, and the things that you'll be doing in the future. As, as Father Rob and I are now old and, and um, more and more worthless every day, it's nice to see some people uh, who are young and fervent and have a, have a passion for all the things of the Lord. Jim, you're not useless. God loves you. <laughs> We're becoming more useless. That's the point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Getting out of his way. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're going so, for. That's so right. we like to, not that you've had time to listen to any of our podcasts, but we like to end our podcast by uh, um, having a prayer. Our, we usually have, uh, we have a specific intention that we pray for, for one of our listeners, but I think... Um, today, and I'm hoping you're going to lead us in prayer because yeah. you're a deacon. And, you it's know, kind of my job, I guess. kind of your thing. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, the intention that, uh, that I would like us to pray for today is just for the, your, your, your path and for Deacon Steve and, and his path in life and, and, and the people that he's going to touch and bless. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the priesthood. We thank you for the gift of orders and of ministry in your name. We ask that all of us, all of, all of our listeners to this program, all of those that we touch, all those that we encounter, that the grace that you provide us continue to conform us to that of your Son, Jesus Christ. And that your Holy Spirit continue to guide us ever closer to him so that he may bring us closer to you in heaven. We ask all this through his name, the name of your son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right, Deacon. Thank you so much for joining me today and filling in for Father Rob. I know he appreciates it, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. If we had swag, we'd give you some, but we don't oh, have any swag. <laughs> Father Rob has some a, swag. Well, we don't have, like, a coffee mug. You can keep his microphone. How about that? Oh, boy. <laughs> I have to. I have to give this back. I should give this back tonight, actually. He's at home, though, is he? Oh, oh yeah, you're right. He's in the woods. Yeah, he's... <laughs> He's off doing his eight eight day <laughs> solitude retreat, um, the Jesuit style, with uh, just uh, you know his Maybe Bible and um, a sackcloth and wandering through, and uh, hoping for the kindness of strangers. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Um, we will uh, we will be back again next week with uh, somebody else. Uh, maybe another maybe another guest. We don't even know. Um, take care and God bless. God bless. Thanks, Jim. <laughs>